Today's scripture reading is Mark 2, 27 and 28. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for this day that we can come together to worship you. I pray that as we listen to Mr. Dellinger preach today, that you would give us open ears and open hearts um, to hear what you have to say to us. In your name I pray. Amen. It's good to see you all here today, and we're going to be back in Mark chapter 2, finishing out the second chapter, uh, Lord willing. Uh, But before we do that... uh, we have a, a three-year plan here at Heritage uh, that every three years we're going to go through uh, what we teach, uh, what we learn, just some things, and uh, and we are about to go into January next month, which will be the second year of our three-year plan, and part of that includes what we are going to be memorizing as uh, a church body. And so this year, so far, we have memorized Psalm 8, and we have memorized uh, the Beatitudes, And today, uh, we're going to start a new uh, memorization. And so, uh, this is one of the the things that when we we consider uh, what we've learned so far, back in Psalm 8 was January through April of this year, and the Beatitudes was July through October. And now, at least through May 2021, assuming that we take a a commandment every week, uh, we're going to at least uh, go through May with what we're going to learn regarding the Ten Commandments. And not only the Ten Commandments are we going to memorize, but also the, the first and second greatest commandments. Now what, what I've done is, uh, we're not going to memorize the actual Exodus 20. We're not going to memorize the whole chapter there of Exodus 20. We're going to memorize the Ten Commandments as if someone would say, hey, what are the Ten Commandments? And you can just rattle them off without going through. Because some, some of the commandments have two or three verses tied to them. So we're just going to learn what we would might just want to call the list. And so, which would be these right here. Now, I memorized these out of the King James years ago, but this is out of the uh, ESV um, as far as, uh, except for the ESV, I did make one change here. The ESV says, like, number, like the first one, you shall have no other gods. But I put thou, because that's even the world tends to recite the commandments with the word thou in front of them. And so we're going to read this together, and then we're going to uh, flip the screen, and we'll read the first and second uh, greatest commandments as well. So this is what we're going to be memorizing between now and uh, May of next year. So let's just read these together today. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt make no idols. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Honor your father and your mother. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against your neighbor. Thou shalt not covet. Teacher, which, y'all read with me, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first the first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. This is what we're going to be memorized between now and uh, May. And then just like with the other things we memorized, there'll be a period of a month or two where we keep reciting all that we have learned 
And so uh, that's your next task for us as a church, to memorize the Ten Commandments and the First and Second uh, Greatest Commandments. So, but uh, we're going back to Mark's Gospel, finishing up chapter 2 today, and so we'll be reading that text. Uh, follow along, because we're once again dealing with the Sabbath regarding the Pharisees' problem with Jesus and how he uh, lived on the Sabbath day and what he did. So beginning with verse 23 of the second chapter, one Sabbath he was going, and it's all about Jesus, was going through the grain fields. And as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did? When he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now, if you just casually read through the Gospels, it's pretty obvious that the Pharisees had a hang-up with the Sabbath rules that they had written. It seems they were constantly grilling Jesus about something that he was doing on the Sabbath. In fact, six different times we read of them attacking Jesus or questioning him about the Sabbath. Now, usually it was about healings on the Sabbath. And we'll see some of this as we go through Mark. We even see it next week uh, as we go, through, go to chapter 3. But in our text today, we see it wasn't about healing. It was about the disciples plucking grain and, and eating it on the Sabbath. So why was this such a big deal for the Pharisees? Why did the Pharisees always seem to be coming down on Jesus when he did something on the Sabbath? Well, the, the best way to explain this is, and it will help us to, to see from the Pharisees' viewpoint here, what they, under, what they viewed as the Sabbath and what was law-keeping and what was not, what you could do and what you shouldn't do on the Sabbath. So why was this such a big deal? And so, uh, first of all, the, the fourth of the Ten Commandments, which we just went over, is to keep the Sabbath day holy. But the problem here with the Pharisees is that they took this commandment and they added to it. It became a great burden uh, to the people. Now, in the Old Testament, we read about resting on the Sabbath and not working. For instance, the Bible says uh, in, in Exodus, you shall work six days, but on the seventh day you shall rest. Even during plowing time and harvest you shall rest. See, God wanted his people to rest. Don't go out and work. Even, even when it's time to harvest, don't, don't do that on the Sabbath. But here's where kind of the rails came off regarding the Sabbath. The Jewish uh, leaders, what they decided to do was take this a little further. They wanted to add to what God had commanded there with keeping it holy. And so they made all these additional commands, these additional rules and they acted as if this was what God wanted. And these commands became very burdensome to the people because the, the Jewish leaders enforced them. Now, let me show you what I mean here. The Jewish leaders, uh, back in the Old Testament, they took these four, uh, this fourth commandment of keeping the Sabbath uh, holy, and what they did is they added 39 categories under keeping the Sabbath. And here are those categories. They had, they had something 
for anything you could think of doing on the Sabbath. They had a category for it. And they had rules for it. And if that wasn't enough of these 39 categories, there were over 1,500 rules that fell under these 39 categories. So let me show you the absurdity of what they did. In Exodus 34, it says, You shall work six days, but on the seventh day you shall rest. Even during plowing time and harvest you shall rest. That is the scriptures. That's what the Bible is saying. Now, here's how they added to that. They took like the command here in Exodus 34, and from that they made a new rule that fell under this. In fact, they said it was okay to spit on a rock on the Sabbath, but you couldn't spit on the ground because that would make mud, and mud would make mortar, and that would be work. Now, this is how absurd it became. So if you're going to spit, it better not be on the dirt. It has to be on the rock because then that would create some form of work. So, now here's the thing. Here's some more examples of how legalistic they were and some of the ridiculousness of what they did. Remember, they take that fourth commandment, they add 39 categories under that, and then in those 39 categories, they add all these other laws that they had to keep over 1,500. So, here's some more. If a flea landed on your arm, you couldn't kill it because you would be guilty of hunting. But who would hunt fleas the other six days of the week? I don't know. But it says you could dip your radish in salt, but if you left it there too long, you were starting to pickle it, and that would be work. Apparently, just in my studies, the Pharisees actually had long discussions about how long it took for a radish to pickle. And so it says you could not garden on the Sabbath, and that included smelling flowers. You couldn't do that. You could not pick out the bones of a fish that you were eating. You could tie a knot as long as it wasn't permanent, which means you could tie your shoes because that would not be a permanent knot. You were allowed to eat berries, but you couldn't pick out the bad ones. So apparently when you were eating berries, you couldn't go, oh, that's a bad one, and move it over here. You had to just eat and just be real careful not to touch a bad one and move it. Now, you think, wow, this is so ridiculous. I can't believe they... They fell for this. But when you have your religious elite rulers and they come down on you like this, everyone has to follow. Now, no one would admit it, but I'm sure the Sabbath became the worst day of the week for them because of all the laws that were written by the Jewish leaders, not by God, but by the Jewish leaders. And so they had to constantly remember not to mess up one of these 1,500 rules the Pharisees had written. And we're going to see this take place in our text today in Mark 2. So we have in our passage here that uh, one Sabbath, uh, when Jesus was going through the grain fields, they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain, and the Pharisees were saying, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? What we have to understand here, the the disciples were doing a a no-no based on what the Pharisees were saying. And what, we have to, and what we have here is, is not so much a question, but more, more of an accusation to Jesus about his disciples. They were accusing Jesus' disciples of violating their Sabbath laws. They were implying that as if they were God's law. But they were really upset that the disciples were violating the Pharisees' laws that had been written. Now remember, the Pharisees already hated Jesus. 
People were starting to gravitate towards him. His healings and his teachings are like, wow, we've never seen anyone like this before. And so uh, the Pharisees were starting to take a back seat as far as who people would listen to. They wanted to hear Jesus and his teaching. So they were looking for any kind of dirt they could find on Jesus. They were constantly trying to trick him and set him up. So they followed Jesus, hoping to, to find some way to destroy his reputation. And so what they do is they see the disciples plucking grain in a field and eating it. So they make this accusation to Jesus about the disciples violating the Sabbath laws, it's specifically their Sabbath laws. But the law allowed what the disciples were doing. The law actually allowed it. You know, back in those days, farmers were even told, and you know, when you when you you know sow a field and you start to reap the harvest, you know, leave the outside boundary. Um, un, you know, don't harvest that. Leave it for people who are walking, you know, by, so they can just have something to eat. Um, it's called gleaning. You can read about that in the book of Ruth as well. But uh, but that would be something that they would do uh, when you would go through. As you would travel and you would come past the field, uh, the field would be harvested, but there would be some, you know, still some crops along the edge that it was perfectly legal and encouraged. It was part of the, the culture of that time. Leave that part so that when people are on a journey, they can just kind of pluck some grain or, you know, pick a berry or whatever and keep walking. That was legal. That was encouraged. The Bible speaks about those things. The, the Bible says in De Deuteronomy, if you go to your neighbor's vineyard, you may eat your fill of grapes as many as you wish, but you should not put any in your bag. If you go to your neighbor's standing grain, you may pluck the ears with your hand, but you shall not put a sickle to your neighbor's standing grain. The Bible's given some boundaries here. It said, listen, part of just the society and, and us uh, helping each other is, you know, you're allowed, in fact, your neighbors are allowed to come and, and eat some of the food that's growing. Now, the other side of it is the neighbor's not allowed to bring their tractor over and harvest your field. Not that they had tractors back then, but you understand what I'm saying. You weren't allowed to bring a bag and, and take your sickle and, and start collecting it and fill up your whole bag and go home. This was a means to eat along the way. This wasn't a means of starting a business or trying to store up for the winter. This was just a, 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 a situation in the culture there that allowed people to eat along the way um, when someone else had a garden that wasn't yours. You were welcome to do that. And so it was, even on the Sabbath, this was fine. But the Jews, the, the Pharisees weren't letting this slide because this was the Sabbath. So they were looking for anything, but they forget who they're talking to. And so, but, but, so what the disciples were doing was perfectly fine. They, they weren't getting a bunch of grain for their journey ahead and loading up their sacks. They were just walking along and just kind of eating it. And so, but notice the Pharisees, they're not questioning the disciples. They're actually questioning or accusing Jesus. They aren't accusing, notice, they're not accusing the disciples of stealing. They're not even accusing them of harvesting. But in their minds, they were, this was a violation of their Sabbath laws because it was like work. But they were plucking grain, they were removing the husk, throwing away the chaff, all the work, even though it was just a little piece of, of food they were eating. And the Pharisees, who were, as if you've not figured out, were more like the religious police, they were just itching to find something to call out Jesus on, and so they went for the Sabbath laws which they had made. But that's not how they worded it. They said, why are they plucking grain and eating, which is perfectly fine, and they said, Instead, what they said is, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? 
Notice the wording that they used. They were implying that Jesus was breaking the fourth commandment. That's what they were implying, even though Jesus knew that was not the issue. Because they, they weren't breaking the fourth commandment. So let's see the answer from Jesus here. He said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest and ate the bread of presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. So remember, the Pharisees, who are the religious leaders, the elite of that day, the, the religious police, they study the law all the time. They write new laws, which weren't biblical, but they would write new laws. They prided themselves on how much of the Old Testament they knew. Basically, they were the scholars of the Old Testament. They knew everything that it said. So when Jesus answers them, his rebuke even has a hint of sarcasm in it. Because he says, have you never read what David did? Now think about this. Uh, of course they had read it. They probably read it a hundred times. They were Old Testament scholars. They knew the story. But Jesus is pointing out to be so knowledgeable about the law, you're, you're acting like you've never read it before. It was, it was sarcastic to what they were saying. That, that, would, that would be like me talking to Clint and go, Clint, have you never seen a dog before? Or Dan Canosa, have, do you not know the dangers of fire? Or Lori, have you don't know anything about kids? All those people know stuff about that. It's what they do. The Pharisees, Jesus says, have you not read? Of course they have read. They've read it over and over. So he's given some sarcasm here like, listen, of all the people, you should know more than anybody what the law says and what David did. But he's implying that they didn't. And so he even did that with the Sadducees, which we'll see later in Mark 12, he said to the Sadducees, is, is this not the reason that you are wrong because you, uh, you know neither the Scriptures nor the power of God? He calls out the Sadducees later. It's like, you really don't know. Yeah, you may know here what the, the words that are being said, but you don't know the law and you don't know the power of God. Same with the Pharisees. Yeah, they could probably recite what they knew, but they had no understanding, no wisdom. They did not understand the things of God. So with the Pharisees here, Jesus calls them out on their ignorance. He reminds them of the story of David, which is in 1 Samuel 21. And just to give a quick summary of what happened there, in 1 Samuel 21, David was being chased by Saul, and David's young men that were with him were on the run, and they were hungry. So David finds a priest and needs some food, but the only food that the priest has is the food that is just for the priest. That's what we read just a minute ago. It was just for the priest. No one else is supposed to eat this food, and David was, was not a priest. His men, his men weren't priests. And so he says, my men are hungry, and they're like, David, the only food we've got is, is that which is the holy bread. Now, in Leviticus 24, this is what it says, and it shall be, talking about the bread there that David's warning, in Leviticus we learn it shall be for Aaron and his sons, and they shall eat it in a holy place, since it is for him a most holy portion of the Lord's food offerings, a perpetual dew. So the only bread available was the bread that was to be for the priest. Yet David's saying, my men need some food. So the priest, Abiathar, gives it to him. So Jesus is reminding the Pharisees that you know, meeting human needs is far greater than rituals or ceremonial laws. 
They're more important than being legalistic. So Jesus is answering the Pharisees, and notice Jesus went to the Scriptures for His answer. He's answering that if David could violate the law in Leviticus and let his men eat, then certainly someone who is greater than David, referring to Jesus, could let his disciples eat. And remember, the Pharisees were arguing, it was based on their Sabbath laws that they had written, not from the law in Leviticus. And God didn't rebuke David then. How much more is it okay for Jesus' disciples to eat, who were not breaking the law? Do you see the problem this created for the Pharisees? The Pharisees were okay with David's men breaking the law. But they were not okay with the disciples eating, which was not breaking the law. Do you see their hypocrisy here? And don't forget, Jesus answered with Scripture. He didn't try to debate them. He just opened up the Word and exposed them to the truth. The Pharisees were okay with David's men breaking the law, but they weren't okay with Jesus' disciples eating, which was not breaking the law. So don't miss the truth, the underlying truth here. God is more concerned about meeting the needs of His people than He is about preserving the tradition. But the Pharisees were not. They were the opposite. They would rather the disciples go hungry and keep their traditions. But not to Jesus. Because with Jesus, people are more important than legalistic traditions. Loving others is greater than the law. And Jesus showed that to the Pharisees. You have to understand the difference here. And the Pharisees did not. Now, I shared this example, I think, years ago. But I was at a conference one time. I was listening to a speaker talk. And uh, he was sharing about a young man who visited their church one Sunday and uh, had never been before. And he ended up trusting Christ as his Savior. He ended up getting saved there uh, during the church service. And so after church, the pastor called him up, introduced him to the the church family, uh, had had walked through uh, his understanding of the gospel. This guy trusted Christ. And so he was so filled with joy pastor shared a little bit uh, with the church family on that Sunday uh, about this young man. But, and this young man who was just saved, apparently there were some things that some of the older people in the congregation uh, were concerned about with this man. Uh, he, he had on a, a ball cap the entire service. He got saved, was introduced to the church family. And when this whole wonderful celebration ended... After sharing about this man uh, being saved, an older gentleman in the church came up to the pastor and said, you've got to understand, after this testimony and everything, said, you know he had a hat on the entire service. And the pastor goes, that's all you got out of this? A man gets saved, and all that another church member sees is that, well, he's not, he's, he's wearing a hat in the church service. That's what he sees. That's like the Pharisees. See, God hates that kind of self-righteous living. But that's, what, that's what's happening here and what Jesus is exposing to the Pharisees. Because when we treat our personal preferences like spiritual commandments, we sow this seed of pride and, and it produces legalism in our life. And it's usually in the form of traditions. When we take our personal preferences and act like they are God's personal preferences, it's what the Pharisees did. God said, keep the Sabbath holy. The Pharisees said, we're going to work on that. We're going to give you 15 other hundred commandments. We're going to make them just like yours. God's like, no, these aren't mine. See, the church of Jesus Christ has to guard against legalism in this way. 
not just a collective body as a, as a local church, but even as individuals, to make sure that our love for one another is to remain greater than any tradition. And we see that in the life of Jesus over and over. His love surpassing all the traditions of religion. Look at our last two verses. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So what Jesus does here is he's reminding the Pharisees of something they had forgotten. First thing he does is uh, he, he reminds them of the purpose of the Sabbath. They had forgotten this. So he reminds them this is the purpose of the Sabbath. And we have to understand this truth here. The, the Sabbath was not a curse. It was not a curse. It was not to be burdensome like the Pharisees had made it. Now next week I'll get into more detail about the Sabbath, but I want us to know two, two truths here that Jesus gives. First thing he says is the Sabbath was made for man. It is to be a blessing to man to be given the Sabbath. Yet the Pharisees had turned it in to the most legalistic and obviously most miserable day of the week. People had to remember all these 1,500 laws. Everything from fleas to, to radishes to smelling flowers, all these things. Law after law about things you could not do. It was horrible. Now, the people hated it, but they probably would never say that because the Pharisees would jump all over them. But the purpose of the Sabbath was, was not to be that way. God didn't create these ridiculous laws. Man did. And so God said to keep it holy. But man said, we're going to make it not only holy, we're going to make it miserable. And they did. But it was not the blessing that God intended because the Pharisees had rewritten or had added to the word of God. So Jesus said the Sabbath was for man. Man came first, then the Sabbath. God did not place man under some harsh Sabbath rule. But instead what God did was he created a restful blessing for the people of God. Just like everybody here who's thankful that their boss gives them a day off. You don't go, oh wow, my boss hates me. Why? He gave me a day off. Well no, maybe that's just for you to rest. We have weekends. Who doesn't want to rest? Because rest is a blessing. Rest is a blessing. But when rest becomes a burden, it's not a blessing anymore. When rest becomes a burden, it's not a blessing anymore. I remember when my two oldest, Thomas and John Paul, were they're around six to seven years old. They're about this age right here. Y'all can make fun of John Paul later with this, but there's Thomas and John Paul at my mom's house, and uh, they were about this age, and we went to a homeschool conference. And it was during the afternoon, it had been a long week, and we had had lunch, and I was like, I want a nap. And so I went up, I said, boys, Lori was in some other session, so I said, boys, let's go up to the balcony so I can take a 30-minute nap until mom gets done. And so I had a watch, it was in the 90s, so it was one of those digital watches. So I had a watch, and I was like, all right, I'm going to get a 30-minute nap here. And we went up to the balcony. It was just us. Everybody else was downstairs. And so it was pretty quiet up that way. And so I, I gave it to John Paul because Thomas was 
you know, he was old enough to read or whatever. So he was in his little world. And I said, John Paul, I said, and I set the timer for 30 minutes. I said, here's the thing. It's going to count down to zero. When it gets to zero, you wake me up. Okay? I'm, Dad's going to take a nap. And so I started the timer. And I dozed off and, and went to sleep. And then all of a sudden, hey, yeah, what's, what's up, John Paul? He's like, You've already been asleep five minutes. I'm like, all right, thanks. I'm going back to sleep. I go back to sleep. What, John Paul? You have 20 minutes left. I was like, hey, don't talk to me again until it gets to zero. So I start to doze off and I hear, Thomas, Daddy has 15 minutes left. I'm like, all right, boys, we're going downstairs, enough of this. And so we went back downstairs. Because what I wanted to do was rest. And John Paul took what was supposed to be relaxing for Dad and, and made it worse. He kept waking me up every five minutes. And I don't know about you, but I think I'd rather have no sleep than five minutes, wake up, five minutes, wake up. It became a, what was supposed to be a rest became a burden. And the Pharisees had done that with the Sabbath. What was supposed to be pleasant and relaxing and restful became a burden. It became more like a curse. And so Jesus then reminds them, he says, the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. He is over it. He is better than the Sabbath. He created the Sabbath. So don't tell the Lord of the Sabbath what he can and, not, can and cannot do with the Sabbath. And that's what the disciples were doing. I mean, that's what the Pharisees were doing regarding the disciples. Your disciples are breaking the law. Although they weren't, you still don't tell Jesus what he can and cannot do regarding the Sabbath. And then notice this. When Jesus proclaimed himself the Son of Man, that was him saying he was the Messiah. It was a messianic statement by saying he was the Son of Man. And the Pharisees knew what that meant. Jesus, right there in his answers to, to the Pharisees, he was telling them, I am the anointed one. I am the Son of Man who has come to save his people. They knew what that phrase meant. And if for some reason they didn't get that, Jesus goes a step further and says that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. He's telling the Pharisees to their face, he is the Messiah, he is the Son of Man, he is the Son of God, he is the sovereign ruler of the Sabbath. Can you imagine how infuriated these Pharisees became when they heard this? They first had been shown up by Jesus by saying, have you not read about David? You're telling that to a scholar is embarrassing. And now he's saying, he's the son of man, the Lord of the Sabbath. And you're here to tell me what I can and cannot do on the Sabbath. But what a great proclamation we have from Jesus. Having the understanding that Jesus is not only the Messiah, he is Lord of the Sabbath, which he has created. It helps us in our own understanding of the Sabbath, how it was to be a blessing to the people. And let me just close with this reminder. We must always remember the authority of the Son of Man. The Son of Man. The Messiah. There is no greater name than Jesus. And I want you to understand something. Because the Pharisees hated Jesus. But know this about our Lord. Jesus is not weak. He is kind and gentle and loving, but he is not weak. 
I sometimes think we have the wrong understanding of Jesus in our life in this kind of area. But make no mistake about it. There is no one more powerful or gentle than Jesus. There is no one more loving or righteous than Jesus. And there is no one more perfect and forgiving than Jesus. So when we continue to read about the life of Jesus as we go through the book of Mark, ask the Spirit of God to show you as you read through the Scriptures more and more about who Jesus is, His life and His ministry, how much He cares and loves for each of us, and His authority. Because our Jesus is great and wonderful, and He is the Messiah. He is Lord of the Sabbath. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your teaching as we go through the book of Mark for the life of Jesus and what we see. Lord, and how you love us in a way that is beyond our comprehension considering our sin and just our flesh. And Lord, how, how small we are in a sense of this universe and yet you have pursued us and created us, and love us, created us in your image. So Father, as we continue to go through the gospel of Mark, I pray that we would, would see the authority of Christ, and the love of Jesus, and, and the forgiveness that we have in him, that we would not misunderstand this, that your spirit would teach us about how good our Savior is. We thank you, Father for being good to us and giving us your Son. It's in His name I pray. Amen.